after that <laughs> that's a good thing wonderful to be in the presence of God together isn't it wonderful to worship him wonderful to know and experience his presence the world is longing for him the world is longing for the presence of Jesus they don't, many of them don't know it but that's what they're longing for to meet with the king and um, we have him we have the answer, and we need to live that way. Hallelujah. Well, how many of you have been in the meetings over these, uh, over these last night, and then again this morning? Just give me a wave. Wonderful. Great. Tremendous. How many of you have been touched by the Lord in one way or another? You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, released in tongues, or you've stepped out in prophecy, or, or words of knowledge, or you've been healed, or, or ministered healing to somebody, or something of that nature? Just give me a little wave if God has touched you. That's great. Wonderful. Okay, well, tonight we are completing our last session on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And last night we were talking all about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And uh, we had a number of folks who <clears throat> recommitted their lives to the Lord. And one lady came to the Lord for the first time. And there were a number who got baptized in the Holy Spirit and released in other tongues. And that was super. Wonderful again this morning. A number of folks were stepping out in words of knowledge and prophecy. And God was blessing and touching people. And really the whole object of a, week, of a weekend like this is not so much about what I do, but so much more about what you do in your cooperation with the Holy Spirit. This is aimed at being an equipping time. And so really success, if you want to kind of put it on, uh, you know, use that kind of terminology, success for a weekend like this is not how many people that I laid hands on and God did something, but actually success is how many people have been released in moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit amongst us here. Amen. And then that you carry on from that place and you minister in that place and you live in that place because ultimately what Jesus wants is that we would be like him in our lives, in our daily lives, that we would reflect Christ in our character and we would reflect Christ in the charisma, the life and the power of the Holy Spirit to the people within the sphere of our influence. Amen. And so that's God's desire. And really what I want us to grab hold of tonight is that miracles are normal to Christianity and they are to be normal to every Christian. Amen? Amen. Really a gospel without miracles is, is a misnomer. You, you just cannot have a gospel without miracles. Really, the, the whole of the gospel, it begins with miracles. The virgin birth is a miracle. Amen. Amen. If Christ was not born, born of a virgin, his blood is not divine. If his blood is not divine, it can't cleanse us from sin. So it's fundamental. We believe right at the very first start that Jesus was born of a virgin, that his blood is divine. His ministry is miraculous, of course. His death on the cross was miraculous. His resurrection, I mean, let's face it, Jesus never sinned, only those who sin have to die. You couldn't kill Jesus, he had to give his spirit up before he died. It's absolutely miraculous, the substitutionary work of Christ for you and me. The resurrection of Christ from the dead, the physical resurrection of Jesus from the dead. He's the only man to ever die and be raised again back to life, never to die again. Amen. Amen. Death is defeated, thank God. And so it's wonderful. Great, great songs of celebration tonight. I love that. I don't know about you. I, I didn't want to stop. I just could have carried on all night. But, um, but that's great. And so, of course, on the day of Pentecost, he poured out the Holy Spirit. And this is a wonderful day to be alive. Because in this day in which we're living, the Holy Spirit's being poured out on all flesh. Not just like in the Old Testament when it was prophets, priests, and kings. And even under the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of the Holy Spirit was localized. Because wherever Jesus went, the Spirit of God was moving and there were miracles. And when he sent out the twelve, of course, the Spirit of God, he, he imparted the anointing that was on him and the authority that was given to him to them. And the ministry multiplied through the twelve. And yet still the ministry was localized to wherever those twelve went. Then it was increased again. 70, and wherever the 70 went, there was authority, there was power, and the manifestation of the kingdom of God, of heaven upon earth. But from Pentecost, everything changed. 
Because from Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's being poured out on all flesh and anyone who believes in him and is thirsty can come and receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit and do what he does at the end of the earth until he comes. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Amen. Well, it's just the introduction. So we're getting going anyway. Let's... I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 8 tonight. And what I'm going to do under the grace of God is I want to help us to grow in our faith in Jesus for the miraculous. And in this, we've talked um, last night about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We talked this morning about the proclamation gifts, the, the gifts that say something. Tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. We also talked about the revelation gifts, the gifts that reveal something, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. Amen. So we talked all about that. Well, tonight we're talking about the power gifts. When we talk about power gifts, we mean gifts that do something. Gifts that gift something. Hallelujah. Gifts that bring about miraculous occurrences. See, the manifestation of the Spirit is, in some respects, is twofold. On one side, it's revelatory. On the other side, it's power. And, you know, it, it's important that there is this difference between them. Both are manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and we need both. But you know what we need, you know, in the church today, here in the United Kingdom? Thank God there is so much more of it going on. And there is an increase that is coming. And I believe that we're going to see greater and greater manifestations manifestations of the power of the Holy Spirit in miraculous healings that will not be able to be denied. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And so, you know, we're just going to, tonight we're just going to look at some of the key principles that help us in exercising faith for the miraculous. Last night we mentioned briefly from Galatians 3, 1 to 6, how the Apostle Paul writes to the Galatian church and says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? He wants, to un- he wants them to understand that from the work of the cross flows everything that God wants to give you and me. It's all been made available through the blood of Jesus Christ. Full and completely available. Through his broken body, the veil, but of the veil of the law between man and the presence of God where all the miracles are and all of, of life transformation in beholding him. Where all of that is, that veil of the law was rent in two through the broken body of Jesus that you and I today can experience the wonder and the glory of his presence and power by grace through faith in the finished work of the cross. Amen. There is this that you see all the way from Old Testament to New Testament. And it's this. It's sin, law, flesh, and demonic in the negative side. And it's righteousness, grace, faith, and the Spirit on the positive side. I'll say that again. It's really important to see this in Scripture. You know, if you go through the old covenant, but you fail to see everything through the finished work of the cross, you'll end up in legalism, and then you'll stop flowing in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I just want to say this to you. This is really important. On the negative side, there is sin, law, flesh, and demonic. On the positive side, there is righteousness, grace, faith, and the Spirit. Amen. I'm talking about righteousness as a gift. Righteousness as the gift of God. Not your righteousness, because we have none, but His righteousness. (laughs) Amen. Glory to God. And because he's made you righteous, that means you're qualified. Why don't you turn to somebody near you and say, you're qualified. (laughs) All right. This is really good. This is really important. This is important. This is vital for you to understand. If you're going to move in the miraculous, you need to rest in this reality. That Christ's finished work for you is enough. In fact, it's more than enough. It's done. It's complete. You can't add anything to it, and you can't take anything from it. It's a done deal. It's finished and complete. This is the new covenant. Thank God. We are a new covenant people. Amen? And that's why Jesus could confidently send out, he could confidently send out the the disciples, the 70, and he described them in Luke chapter 10 as lambs. Lambs amongst wolves. Now, I don't know if you've ever done any management training, but I would suggest to you that that's not good management. You know, sending out little innocent lambs amongst wolves. I mean, not even full-grown sheep. Surely they're going to get torn apart. 
But the fact is that he sends them out to proclaim the kingdom and to heal the sick. And when they come back rejoicing, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. He says this, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you power and authority. The Amplified is brilliant on this. It says, power and authority, physical and mental strength and ability and dominion over all the power that the enemy possesses. And nothing shall by any means harm you. Most believers today need a bigger God in their faith life and a smaller devil. So I want to encourage you today to see the finished work of of Christ on your behalf and recognize that you are an enforcer. Amen. An enforcer, an ambassador of the finished work of Christ. Amen. In the earth, you are a distributor of the good news of the new covenant. That is a covenant that's in the spirit. Amen. And so God has given that to you. And so what we're going to look at here is I'm going to try to take us through Matthew 8, 1 to 17 and look at some keys of moving in, in healing and in the power of God in this realm of healing miracles. And the gift of special faith is what the Greek talks about here. And so it's very interesting. It, it defines it that way. It's not talking about the faith that you got when you became a Christian. Faith came to you when you got saved. It came to you by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. And it contains in every Word of God, there is the DNA of God. 1 Peter one twenty three says we become partakers of the divine through the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. Amen. So God literally imparts His own nature into our spirit by the Word of God as we receive it. And faith is imparted to us to be saved. That's why sometimes when I'm sharing the gospel with some non-Christians and they look at me and they say, John, I wish I had faith like you. And I say, well, keep listening and you will. (laughs) Because faith will, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the context is the preached word. And so the thing about it is this, is that you can get faith, you get faith for salvation by hearing the gospel. You get faith for anything in the Christian life by either hearing the preached word of God or confessing the word of God over something and meditating in the scriptures on that particular need until you receive that word into your spirit and the faith that is present in that word is released in you. Now it deals with the invisible. The moment you can see it, feel it, it's no longer faith. Faith only deals with the invisible. But faith reaches out its hand into the invisible realm and takes from the invisible realities of heaven and brings them into manifestation in the earth by speaking and declaring and acting upon heavenly realities. Amen. His word. And of course you can also get faith when the Holy Spirit speaks a particular word to your heart. Amen. So, but when we talk about the gift of special faith, we're talking about a faith that is a portion of God's faith. Now honestly, God doesn't have a drop of doubt in him. (laughs) There is no doubt in God. There is no doubt at all in God's spirit. God doesn't need a plan B. He's got a plan A because plan A is going to (laughs) work. You see, God's behind it all the way. So you have to understand it. This is why Jesus, it's the only thing where we see in the Gospels, except Jesus getting frustrated about the guys who were selling their wares in, in, in the temple. Other than that, this is the only other thing that we get in Scripture where we see Jesus really frustrated. And it's to do with unbelief. And it's actually with his own, his own disciples. When he comes down in Matthew 17... Don't worry, we will get to Matthew 8 in a moment, I promise. But, but he comes down from the, from the Mount of Transfiguration. These are all important keys, and we're just going to underline them again in Matthew chapter 8 in a moment. But he comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and when he comes down from that place of glory, his face is radiant with the glory of God, just as Moses' was when he saw God, you know, face to face. And so we find this, that Jesus comes down, he's radiating the glory of God. Even his clothes are, are transformed. The Bible says they're brighter than any launderer could make them. And as he comes down, the people are, they run to him in wonder and in awe at this Jesus. And as he comes down amongst them, He finds the religious leaders and the disciples having an argument. Now, wherever there's unbelief, there'll always be arguments. 
But Jesus comes down. He says, what are you arguing with them about? And then there's a man in the crowd. He says, Master, I brought my son to your disciples, but they couldn't help him. He has a spirit that throws him into water and fire and tries to destroy him, but they couldn't cast it out. Now, at that moment, we hear Jesus' frustration. He says, oh, wicked and perverse generation. How long do I have to bear with you? Bring him here to me. Wow. Now, I, forgive me if that, well, there's nothing to forgive, but let me just say, if that kind of crosses your view of gentle Jesus, meek and mild, let it shake you up for a minute. Because this is the real Jesus. The real Jesus. He absolutely believes and he absolutely expects us to believe him. Whatever is not a faith is sin. So can I encourage you? I've learned over many years of in this kind of area of ministry and from other brothers who I've known who who have gone before us. And you know, of course, when you're in a ministry uh, where you're ministering and healing or anything like that, you're wanting to learn more from those who've gone before. And you know, it, it kind of helps you to learn more and to grow. Isn't it better from? I mean, you can't impart to somebody else your kind of spiritual history, but nonetheless, you know, you can give them some tips along the way and help them, and hopefully fast forward them in, in the things that it cost you a bit more to grab hold of. But but, you know, the thing is this, is that some of them have told this to me over the years. They said, you know, I regularly renounce unbelief. I renounce sin. And I just say, Lord, I renounce, repent of the sin of unbelief. I renounce unbelief. I say in Jesus' name, I don't have it. I don't entertain it. I don't accept it. Now all I've got is faith. And I act upon the word of God and I believe it. I've got it. It's alive in me and it's producing the miraculous in Jesus' name. And, you know, you need to start saying things like that to yourself. Amen? John G. Lake, who had a powerful ministry in, in the miraculous, the beginning of the 20th century, he used to look in the mirror every day, put on his suit, and he would say, suit, today God walks in you. <laughs> That's a good thing to say. That's a good thing to say. And he's right, because Christ is in us. Our certain hope of glory. Amen. So, let's, uh, let's look at this. We're going to go through Matthew 8, and we're going to try and address also the gifts of healings, the working of miracles, and special faith in that context, okay? Let's read, starting at Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 to 4. And there's really four points I want us to bring out here today by the grace of God. First of all, it's this. In Matthew 8, 1 to 4, I want to talk about Jesus' willingness to heal. This is absolutely fundamental where faith is concerned, either to receive healing or to minister healing. We must be convinced of the will of God concerning our healing and the will of God to heal all. And very specifically, to heal the people that we're personally praying for and ministering to at that moment. Okay? So that's fundamental. Secondly, we're going to look from Matthew 8, 5 to 13 about Jesus' authority and the exercise of authority. And again, it's fundamental to us ministering in power. We're going to look at verse 14 to 15 at Jesus' touch and about the ministry there of the laying on of hands and how to impart healing through the laying on of hands. And last of all, we're going to look at the finished work of the cross and the power that Jesus releases through us in bringing deliverance to captives in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Because, you know, if you get involved with healing ministry or ministering miracles to people in need, sooner or later you'll confront the demonic. You will. You'll confront the demonic. There's a lot of, of demonic activity in sickness and disease. And 1 John 3, 8 says, For this reason the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the evil one. Jesus has an agenda. He has an agenda when he comes among, and he manifests himself amongst us. He wants to absolutely obliterate every work of darkness and cause us to live in the glorious freedom of the sons of God. Amen? That's our inheritance. Thank God. Let's pray. Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus that you, Lord, would impart revelation to every one of our hearts. Father, I pray that where there has been disappointment in anyone's hearts, Lord, where either they or their loved ones have suffered, Father God, if they haven't yet seen the breakthrough they were looking for, we pray that today, that by your grace and by the truth of your word, that you will wash away the mud and the mire of disappointment and pain in 
Jesus' name. Father, that you will cause the entrance of your word to bring light and understanding and revelation into each heart. Lord, impart faith afresh through your word. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that even as I declare your word today, that there would be healings and miracles amongst us. For still today, Lord, you send your word and it heals and delivers. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Father, I do pray as well that if there are any here who don't yet know you, Father, please don't let one leave this place without the joy of forgiveness and the certainty of eternal life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Matthew 8, 1-4. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You know, let me say right now, this guy takes, and it's so easy to read over this, and we're so familiar with it, but this guy takes some incredible risks. He's under Jewish law. Remember, the Gospels are still under Jewish law until the resurrection of Christ. Remember that. Jesus is still addressing issues that are to do with the law, amongst other things, as he's going through the Gospels, because it's only once the blood was accepted in the most holy place that the new covenant was inaugurated. And that's so, and there are some issues we find in this story that directly relate to that. And under the law of Moses, direct, we know what the commands say. You shall worship no other. No other God. You'll have no other God before me. You will not worship any other. You will worship only the Lord your God and Him only will you serve. Amen. Isn't that true? Absolutely true. But the Bible says, here comes this leper. He breaks the law. It's against the Mosaic law to be in a public place amongst people. He breaks that law. Not only does he do that, he comes, he falls on his knees, and he worships a man. Secondly, he calls him Lord. That leper had more revelation of Jesus than many people today look in vain. And he took an incredible risk. To be amongst those multitudes of people. And he fell on his knees and he worshipped Jesus. He was determined. There is a certain attitude of tenacity that must be involved. A certain determination to get to Jesus in the whole area of healing. I remember a number of years ago ministering on the Isle of Wight. Where there was a, a gentleman who came to me at the end of a service like this. He was actually in a United Reform. And he comes up to me, he, he's holding both hearing aids in his ears. He's almost completely deaf. And this is what he says to me. He says, John, the doctors say that within three months I will be completely deaf. There's no point even having these. It'll all be over. He said, I can tell you right now. He said, I am fed up of these. I said to him, I like your attitude. <laughs> so um, I said, give those to me. So I took them and I put them aside from him. I said, right, now let's pray. I laid hands on him in the name of Jesus and commanded the deaf ears to open. And apparently, nothing happened. Now the reality is something always happens. Something is always released when you pray. But nonetheless, in terms of manifestation, nothing seemingly happened. So I, this was the beginning of the kind of ministry part of the service. So I just said this to him, right. What we're going to do is this. I want you to get down on your knees and start to worship Jesus. And I'm going to carry on ministering to people. And when the anointing gets stronger, I'll be back. So I carry on ministering to people. And nearly a whole hour goes by. And I completely forget about him. I mean, I'm just praying for everybody. And I, and I just forgot about the guy. And, and so now the place is about half empty. And I suddenly turn around and I look. And there he is. And he's on his knees and he's worshipping Jesus. Now, suddenly, as he's worshipping the Lord, I can see by now, he is utterly lost in worship to Jesus. You know, there are tears pouring down his cheeks. And as these tears are pouring down his cheeks, you can see the presence of God is all over him. I thought the best thing for me to do is to get down there and join him. So I get down in my, on my knees in front of him. And I raise my hands to him. We're both worshipping Jesus together. Suddenly, you know, you feel sometimes the Holy Spirit fall like rain on people. And I felt the Holy Spirit falling like rain all over him. I thought, right, now's the moment. Now, I have to stop for a moment and tell you this, and you'll see why I say it in a moment. The music group that night was not like our music group tonight. They were all out of tune. Uh, the, 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 you know, all the instruments were out of tune. The singers were out of tune. I mean, they were passionate to worship Jesus. That was wonderful. But, you know, I, I'm a musician and, uh, and a singer. And, and for a, a number of years, I, I was Don Double's worship leader. And I'll tell you something. I, I enjoy good music. And, and um, I enjoy anointed music even more. But if you can have good music as well as it being anointed, it's even, the, even better. But the fact is, this was just a joyful noise. And, um, you know... 
So, you know, I was kind of worshipping like this. You know, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Just press it, a real sacrifice of praise. Well, anyway, the fact about it is, I reached up, I touched the guy's ears, and commanded open in Jesus' name as the Holy Spirit fell on him, and suddenly his face just lit up. I will never forget his expression. The first thing when he got healed, he said this, Oh, that beautiful music. <laughs> and it kind of stopped my tracks, you know. I, I kind of looked at him from one of them. Well... <laughs> I guess if you haven't heard anything for a while, it probably is. But the fact is it was wonderful three months later to get a letter from his wife saying that he had gone back to the specialist and they had given him all the examinations and it was 100% hearing. And they just said, just totally healed. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. And so... And it's, it's great, you know, just to, to say this again. There is only one healer here tonight. His name is Jesus. I'm not a healer. Jesus is the only healer. But, you know, he's in us and we're in him. And so, you know, because of that, we can release him through our words. We can release him through the touch of our hands. We can release him under the anointing of God. And, and uh, you know, but this guy had a tenacity. The leper had a tenacity. And he came to Jesus and he worships him. If you need a miracle tonight, that's a good idea. Take your eyes off yourself and put them on Jesus. Let the vision of your faith, of your heart, be so consumed with him. Magnify the Lord, the scripture says. How do you make God any bigger than he is? Well, you don't. But in your praise and in your worship, your vision of God, your revelation of God is expanded. So when as he is, your praise rises to meet him. And faith rises. How could David take on a Goliath? Because he had a bigger vision of God than he did of the obstacle that stood in his way. That's why. And so he magnified God and he worshipped him. But he had an issue. And this is the issue when it comes to receiving healing. And this is the issue it comes when it comes to ministering healing. He had faith that God could heal. But believing that God can heal does not get the job done. You must believe that he will. That he will do it. He will heal. That he will heal you. It's God's will to heal you. God wants you healthy. He doesn't want you sick. He wants you well. We've all been in meetings. I, you know, I don't know how many of you have been in meetings like this. I still get people who come up to me and say, well, John, I, I, you know, they come even in the healing line. And then they say to me, John, I believe it's the will of God for me to be like this, to be sick. And then I always ask them the question, well, are you going to the doctors? And they say, well, yes. I said, well, why are you going to the doctors to get out of the will of God then? I said, if it's really the will of God, why didn't you ask for more? You know, just really embrace it and just, you know, just, you know, just, I mean, come on. I said, it's not the will of God. Of course it's not the will of God. And if it is, why are you coming up here to get healed anyway? And get out of the will of God. I mean, it's just nonsense. It really is nonsense. I know you wouldn't think that way in anywhere else but church. So, you know. I said, really, come on, we need to get our minds sorted out. You know, and uh, this is the truth. God is good. How many of us would, would put sickness and disease on our kids to teach them? No, we wouldn't. How dare we say that God would? A horrendous indictment against God. This is not the God that we serve. He declared that he is the Lord our healer. Exodus 15, 26, he hasn't changed. He said in Malachi 3, I am the Lord, I do not change. And Jesus is the word made flesh. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. He is the will of God personified. This is the only time you find a man in the New Testament questioning the will of God with regard to healing. He says, if you can. He said, Lord, I know you can if you're willing. Jesus settled it immediately. He said, I am willing. And he reached out and he touched him. He touched him. And he gave a command. Be cleansed. When it comes to healing ministry, and we're going to be doing some of it a little bit later. When it comes to healing ministry, these are two major keys, all right? Two major areas of uh, ways of ministering healing. 
One, primarily through the laying on of hands. Throughout the whole of Scripture, from, from Genesis to Revelation, laying on of hands is for impartation. Impartation of authority, impartation of anointing, impartation of blessing, impartation of healing, impartation of the Holy Spirit. You know, Isaiah said about God that his power is hidden in his hands. Isn't it an amazing thing that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where Paul the Apostle is is really encouraging and exhorting the Corinthians to purity, he uses an intensely physical image. And he says this when he's describing the fact that, uh, and this this is mind-blowing for a lot of people, that the members of our bodies, our physical bodies, are members of Christ. A lot of us, we're so aware that one day we're going to lay aside this body and we're going to get a resurrection body and we're conscious of the need to overwhelm the impulses of the flesh by walking in the spirit and all of that, that sometimes we get this view of the body as if it's, as if it's totally evil. But actually, our bodies are redeemed. And, and because of it, not yet redeemed in fullness, of course, Thank God one day we're going to get a resurrection body and we'll be able to walk through walls too. But really, until that time, we have this earthly body And yet, the Bible says that the members of our bodies are members of Christ. It says, how can I take the members of Christ and join them to a prostitute? That is a very physical image, isn't it? And yet, think about this. That's dealing with it from a negative point of view. But take it from a positive for a moment. That because the members of your body are members of Christ, whose hand is this? Is this just John's hand? It's Jesus' hands. When you look at people, who else is looking at them? Jesus. Then when you speak to people, no wonder when Peter said, when he was, pre- when he was swinging his letters, he says this, whoever speaks the words of God must speak as the oracles of God. And it's an old English word meaning the mouthpiece of God. We are the body of Christ. Do you know that's a tremendous faith builder? When you lay hands on somebody, Jesus lays hands on them. Amen. Sometimes I get congregations to do this. Why don't we do it tonight? You know, just put your hands in front of you for a moment and look at them. Just put them in front of you and look at them. And just say this. These are Jesus' hands. They are filled with his life. They are filled with his anointing. When I hands on the sick, in the name of Jesus, They will recover because God's power is in his hands and my hands are his hands. I cannot wait (laughs) to get my hands (laughs) on somebody. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Okay. Amen. This is really key. But Jesus said these signs will follow those who believe. Now what's really interesting is that when he said that, in the Greek, when it says those who believe, it's not a noun. It's a verb. So what is he saying? He's saying this, you must believe that when you lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. You must believe that at the moment you pray. It can't just be something that, you know, that it's just a noun and it's just saying that, well, okay, just as a believer because I lay hands. No, it's actually being a believing believer. It means that you actually believe when you lay hands on an individual that it's going to happen at that moment. Amen. And so Jesus lays hands, he touches the leper and he releases a command of faith where he speaks to him and he commands the result to happen of what he wants, to be cleansed. Amen. Some of us, we're going to be doing that shortly. Where you're going to speak the end result. Jesus told us to speak to a mountain. And if we believed that what we said would come to pass, it would happen. So God's behind your words when you speak. It's authority that you've been given in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me just share this testimony with you, because this is really key in terms of the release of special faith and the release of the gifts of healings. You know, when we talk about gifts of healings, and this is really important to know, most of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, they're instantaneous, all right? So the gifts of the Spirit, they are, they're instantaneous. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were pressed by the devil. He did it because God was with him and the anointing of the Holy Spirit was on him. That's how he did it. He did what he saw the Father doing. So every 
he's doing, he's doing out of revelation. And he's doing also for those who are pressing forward to him and touching him in faith. So we see primarily, this isn't desperately theological, but it works, is that people are, fi- are healed primarily in two different ways in the Gospels. Either people come to Jesus or Jesus comes to people. Okay? People come to Jesus and Jesus comes to people. When Jesus goes to people, we find him going specifically under the leading of the Holy Spirit. So he's proclaiming the kingdom, he's healing the sick and everything else. So we see this, we see this pattern in Matthew chapter 10. You find him sending them out and he says this, first of all, preach the word. And it says, declare the kingdom, and then heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse lepers, and raise the dead. So these signs are following the word. But in Luke 10, he does a totally different thing, the the opposite way. And he says, wherever they receive you, heal the sick who are there, and then tell them the kingdom of God has come there to them. Amen. Now this is more like gifts of the Spirit flowing. And Jesus did what he saw the Father doing, and that's like us seeing by words of knowledge and stuff like that, that releases then gifts of healings and the power of the Holy Spirit. In that way. And you get a lot more instant healings that way. So the gifts of healings very often have manifestation to them. When I say manifestation, it's not just something that is a progressive recovery. Mark 16 talks about we will lay hands on the sick, they will recover. The Greek word there is therapeuo. It speaks of, of something that's therapeutic or therapy. It speaks of a process of time. It can be a short time or a longer time, but it promises recovery. But there are other words that are used. Aomai, complete, instant, and complete healing. That's a word used for many of Jesus' miracles. Sozo, soteria, salvation, healing, deliverance, wholeness, protection, a full orb salvation to meet every need of man. It's encouraging to us because it means this. If you don't get an instant healing, you can still have a recovery. Amen. But in terms of the instant healings, We've got to learn to be sensitive to the Spirit when we lay hands on people. Because when you lay hands upon people under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you pray for them, give time for the Holy Spirit to manifest. Give time for Him to manifest. And, you know, stay full of the Holy Spirit. Stay built up in the Word of God, praying in other tongues, full of the Holy Spirit. So then you can impart the power of the Spirit in manifest terms. And often when you lay hands on people, the gifts of healings manifest like this. Sometimes it manifests like just like heat. And there's a heat in your hands. And that heat goes into the person. Now, you know, you don't want to just focus on that. You want to focus on healing and put your reach out with your faith. But when God starts to manifest like that through you, give full time for that heat to go out of your hand into the person's body. And then get them to cooperate with that manifest power in faith, to do what they couldn't do before. If you do that, you get a lot more instant healings. Learn to cooperate with the Spirit. Sometimes when I'm doing a healing service, not so much an equipping service, but doing a healing service myself, and, and I call a whole load of people forward, I find this, that sometimes I'm going down and I'm laying hands on people, and um, say the first four or five people, I'm just laying hands on them and I'm believing, and, and suddenly I get about five, six people in, and suddenly the anointing kicks in stronger, and when it suddenly kicks in stronger, and then there comes manifestations of gifts of healings, and this kind of thing happening, then I know that these people are more likely to get an instantaneous healing than a recovery and so because of that sometimes I call back the first five or six and say just come back here for a moment because the spirit's manifesting power because I want them to get their healing as quickly and as easily as they can and so we need to learn to intelligently cooperate with the Holy Spirit amen and uh, you know but when that healing is in manifestation when you know when the gift of faith comes into operation as God's faith You've got to step out in as much faith as you have, believing God, acting on the word. But when you get beyond the level of your faith, very often that's where God's faith kicks in. Special faith kicks in. I had a friend of mine um, uh, who came with me. He's only in his early 20s. He came with me to do a gospel campaign in India. And we had an amazing gospel campaign. Over over four or five days, 54,000 came to Christ. And lots of miracles happened. And God was on the move. And it was really exciting. And this guy, um, his name is Steve. And Steve was, uh, at the time, he was 19. And he was so excited by all the miracles that were happening that, um, that on the Sunday, when we sent them out, I'd send all the team out, around the churches on the Sunday morning he went out to minister in a church and when he went out to minister in this church he's preaching on this passage about the leper and as he's preaching about it at the end in front of everybody this Hindu grandmother 
comes out in front of everybody and she is dragging a Hessian bag behind her. And she says this in front of everyone to Steve. Young man, does your Jesus still cleanse lepers? Now Steve is so flying high from the crusade. He, he, he just looks, he says, man, Jesus can do anything. <laughs> At which point she opens the Hessian bag and the arm of a little nine-year-old girl comes out. And it's literally dripping flesh. Steve looks at her and he says to me, John, honestly, if faith was a feeling, I felt it slowly drain out of my feet, you know. <laughs> he said, but I remembered I had shared with him before because I was training him at the time. And I'd share with him of a time in Ghana where I prayed for a leper and they got healed and cleansed. And, and so and I said, how the devil was kind of screaming in my ear, don't touch him or you'll become a leper too. And you, you've got to believe that the one who's in you is greater. And so, you know, I, I said, just put your hand on them and I said, pray your best prayer in faith and believe God. And so, and trust the Holy Spirit to do the rest. And this is what he did. And he closed his eyes, he grabbed hold of that little girl's arms and he prayed his best prayer. He laid, uh, he just literally closed his eyes and he, he's not concentrating on the leprosy, he's concentrating on the source of the answer. The, the one who is the answer, Jesus. And he's praying with faith toward Jesus and praying cleansing for this little girl. And as he's praying this, he gets to a place where suddenly the gift of faith kicks in. And when the gift of faith kicks in, let me tell you, you could not reverse it if you tried. You know that you know that you know it's going to happen. And so, you know, he's praying like that and then so he opens his eyes and when he opens his eyes, he says to me, John, honestly, as God is my witness, he said, I could see that suddenly her whole skin was perfectly recreated right there in the moment. He said, the, he said, stop drifting, perfectly reformed. He said, the grandmother was so shocked, she lifted the little girl out of the Hessian sack, took all her clothes off in order to, to see that the whole of her body was clean of it. And sure enough, she was totally healed. And Lot's got saved because of it. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Amen. But you know, you'll never get to the place of experiencing the gift of faith until you step out on your own faith. Let me give you another illustration. In the days when I worked with Don Double, we had a big 2,000-seater tent at that time. We were doing missions. And uh, we kept, we'd come back from Pakistan. We had an amazing time in Pakistan. And Don and I, we were on the plane coming back. And there have been so many miracles. And Don looked over at me and he said this to me. He said, John, I want us to make an agreement together. I said, sure. He said, I am fed up of pandering to British unbelief. <laughs> So he said, what we're going to do is this. As we go back, and they were actually coming to do a tent mission in the area I grew up in, which is Cheam. Sorry, it's Stockbroker Belt, you know, that kind of area. That's where we were. And so for that reason, we were putting up a big tent in, in Cheam Park. And that's where we were doing it. And so we made this commitment to each other that we would preach just like we preached in Pakistan. We would preach just like we did in, in Pakistan. And we would expect the same things to happen. My goodness, we had 600 salvations in Cheam in one week. People were being driven, were coming, were being driven by the ambulances from, from the hospital, from the local hospital, and, and were literally brought in there on, you know, on these, whatever you call them. And they brought them in, and they were walking out, you know, and they were putting these things back into the ambulances empty. And the people just, just start discharging themselves, totally healed by the power of God. I mean, it was just a glorious time. And I remember I was out on the streets and we were praying for the sick and leading people to Christ. And I came back in. We always used to have one in the afternoon. We used to run a seriously sick um, afternoon meeting because a lot of these guys couldn't get to the evening healing service. So we would run this one in the afternoon and people would come along, shorter service, about an hour, and we would just very short message, 10 minutes, preach the gospel, give an appeal, and, and pray for everybody for healing. And really all the real major cases. And, um, and anyway, I came in off the streets, and I'll tell you something, it's wonderful when the gift of faith kicks in. I walked into the tent, I wasn't looking for this, I was looking to the Lord in faith for healing, but as I stepped into the tent, the gift of faith fell on me. 
That's the only way I can describe it. It fell on me and it went inside me. Suddenly, there was a boldness and a confidence of faith that I knew was well beyond my own. And there were four people there lined up along here, all in wheelchairs. And I found myself doing this. I don't normally do it this way. But because the gift of faith was in operation, I did it. I walked right up to the first one. I said, sir, would you like to walk? He said, yes, please. I said, get up in Jesus' name and pulled him up. And he just went straight out and he pushed his own wheelchair out. He went up to number two. He said, madam, do you like to walk? She said, yes, please. Then get up in Jesus' name. But she went out. For, for the first three, the power of God was flowing in a way that was totally unhindered. It wasn't me. It was Jesus. And it was, and it was, the, it was special faith releasing the gifts of healings. And so, you know, three of them, all of them, the anointing of God just fell on them. And, and they just were instantly healed and pushed the thing on. I came to the fourth woman. And by this time, I can tangibly feel it. feels like wearing a big glove. And I can feel this just like electricity all over my hands and everything else. And so I come up to this woman and I say to her, Madam, would you like to walk? Now I thought that having seen the first three before her get up and go, that she would say, oh yes, please. But this is what she said, no thank you, I'd lose my disability benefit. (laughs) Now the thing is, I don't condemn her. Her issue wasn't about healing. It was actually having faith to face having to earn a living again and all of that entails. And, and she just couldn't face the change in her life at that time. But this was the sad thing, is because she made that choice, the moment she said that, I felt the anointing. It just went, gone, like that. And so suddenly it was like, oh, where's that gone? And I found wait, you just got good old John here now. <laughs> so, I said, so I said, well... Look, I just want to be honest with you. I said the Spirit of God is lifted because you made a choice not to receive. Now look, no condemnation to you, but I need to say this, that the Lord wants you well. So she said, well, I said, you know, I can pray and believe God with you now for a recovery. How about it? She says to me, well, I think I could handle that. She said, I think I could handle being progressively healed. But I've got some issues I've got to deal with to face life again. I said, I understand. Well, let's just pray together and let's believe God for recovery. Well, I laid hands on her, felt nothing. It was like laying hands on a brick, to be honest. And I'm not putting her down, but that's what it felt like. And I just prayed for her for healing. And then I took my hand off her and I said, now, I want you to go away every day and say, thank you, Jesus, for healing me. Just praise him and try to do a bit more than you could do the day before, okay? She said, all right. That was it. I didn't see her for two years. But two years later, I was preaching in New Life Christian Center in Croydon. It's Assemblies of God Church. And I was preaching there. And at the end of the service, this woman came up to me. And she says to me, John, do you remember? I said, yes, I do. I said, your face looks vaguely familiar, but I can't quite place you. She said, well, do you remember two years ago, you came to Cheam Park in the tent? She said, and there were three people who pushed their wheelchairs out ahead of me. And she said, ah, I said, it was you. You are the lady. But I said, but look at you now. You're standing and you're, and you're healed. What's the story? She said, well, I, I, I went away and I did what you told me to do. Every day, I said, whenever I thought about it, I said, thank you, Lord, for healing me. And I did a bit more than I could do the day before. She said, 13 weeks later, I was in my apartment sitting in my wheelchair watching Coronation Street and she says, as I was sitting watching she says suddenly the power of God fell on me physically lifted me out of the wheelchair and I've never been in it since so I mean wonderful and amazing now, I have to say, you know, why 13 weeks later? And why on this earth while watching Coronation Street? I really, you know, I'm sure there's no connection you know but Somewhere in that 13 weeks, in that process of saying every day, thank you, Jesus, for healing me. Somewhere in that day where she kept pushing herself out a bit more into the supernatural by doing a bit more than she could do naturally. Somewhere in that process, living faith connected with the power of God. In the process of recovery. But I hope you can see the difference there between recovery and the gifts of healings. And special faith. Okay. But the gifts of healings can flow at any moment. Special faith can suddenly kick in and you you may not be expecting it at all. And thank God when it does. Thank God when it does. I'm so grateful to the Holy Spirit. 
I've had confrontations with witch doctors and stuff like that out in, in public. I had a witch, do- or a, a witch to disappear right in front of me, as close to me as ADT. You know, I'm chasing her down the road out in <laughs> Rwanda. But anyway, it's another story. But, you know, but things like this. And, and, you know, and lit- literally, you know, I thank God for the Holy Spirit who suddenly equipped and empowered me to deal with the situation when I needed it. I'll be really honest with you. I'm not a naturally bold guy. I've done lots of things afraid. I've just done them anyway out of just dogged determination to be obedient. But God's done it. I'm only saying that for some of you who think, well, you know, John, you know, to do those kind of things, you must be kind of like pumping with, you know, faith and boldness all the time. You must get up in the morning and say, who can I lay hands on? I honestly, I, you know, it's not really like that all the time, you know, but, but the fact is when the Holy Spirit comes, I, I just, I want to go with him and just do it. And, and many times, you know, you lay hands on people and not feel a thing. But yet God, in his faithfulness, would move. Jesus said, heal the sick. That's a command. Cast out demons. Cleanse lepers. Raise the dead. That command infers that you have the authority and power to do it. Otherwise, Christ would not have given it. So you've got it. You just need to release it. You just need to start doing it. Amen. And you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to know everything about everything. You know, I'm, I got, I, I got held up at a military checkpoint by a nine-year-old soldier in Uganda pointing a Koreshnikov rifle at me. And I looked at him and I thought to myself in the natural, and he's demanding my passport. I looked at him and I thought to myself, you know what? If it was just me and him, I could take him. You know? <laughs> but the reality is, that's just stupid fleshly thinking. The reality is that I wasn't concerned with the little nine-year-old boy. I'm concerned with the weapon he's holding. Because he's only got to pull the trigger and I get promoted to glory. And quite frankly, I wasn't ready to go. So, but it gave me a great sermon illustration. Because Second Corinthians 10 says the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You don't have to be a huge spiritual giant, you know, with hugely spiritually mature to use spiritual weapons effectively. You just need to know that he said. And you have to act on that. And his power will flow. Amen. Special faith. Thank God for it. Gifts of healings. What about... The working of miracles. You can see I've left Matthew 8 behind here. So let's just, let me just finish about working of miracles. If I go back to Matthew 8 now, we'll be here all evening. So I'll just do this and then I want to get us released. And so Matthew, no, not Matthew, the working of miracles. The working of miracles goes beyond the realm of healings. The working of miracles is instantaneous and the working of miracles is creative. Look, let's place this difference. Physical healing, somebody who's got a, you know, someone who has a leg that isn't working, that is lame, they need healing. But somebody who doesn't have a leg, they don't need healing, they need to be made whole. They need a new leg. That's the working of miracles. That's the working of miracles. I have a friend called Andy Elms, and Andy and I used to do conferences together years ago. He's now leading a fantastic church down in Portsmouth, a number of churches, a bit of a movement of churches. And um, But Andy, he was trained under Rodney Howard Brown. And after he left Rodney, when we were doing a conference together, he told me he had just come back from Australia because he'd heard about a guy called Clark Taylor. And Clark Taylor was one of the guys that God used in the early days of the charismatic renewal in Australia. We planted churches like Bilio, hundreds of churches under what was called COC at the time, Christian Heritage Centre. A tremendous signs and wonders ministry. An uneducated old farmhand. But my goodness, he would fast and pray and see the power of God released. And he heard all about Clark and so, uh, and about creative miracles under his ministry. So he went seeking him out. He went over to Australia. He said, I, I had to look everywhere for him, but eventually I found him right out in the outback and he was ministering to some aborigines and he said that as I saw him he was walking up and down in this small church and he was preaching to the abos all about miracles and he said and he stopped halfway through his message and he says there was a man and Andy said this to me face to face he said John I've never seen anything like it in my life so I'd seen miracles under Rodney and, and others he said of course I've seen miracles myself but I'd never seen anything of this order he said there's this guy who's sitting there and he's, he's right by the edge where Clark is walking up and down and he's got a little thalidomide hand just 
literally with fingers sticking out the top of the shoulder. And he said, and Clark suddenly stopped by him. He said, suddenly there was an atmosphere change. Everything changed in the atmosphere. And Clark just suddenly looks up, and of course he speaks very broad Australian. You know, and he just says to everybody, miracles ain't hard, mate. They're not hard at all. And he goes like this, all you do is you reach up into this realm, and you put it into this one, and he touched the guy's hand. And, and, and he just said, John, he said, in front of my eyes, I saw a whole arm just recreate, just straight out. He said, I just went, it's wonderful God is still doing that stuff God is still doing that stuff he really is it's a creative miracles I prayed for some who've had uh, operations in their spine where steel was put a rod was put in their spine and after prayer they went back to the specialist. All they knew was they were free in their movement and they shouldn't be as free as they were. They went back to the specialist, took fresh x-rays and they couldn't find the metal. So the, the rod had disappeared. Now that's Jesus. That's Jesus. I prayed for a child that was born with six toes in Swanley and, uh, and overnight the sixth toe um, disappeared. Literally disappeared. I thank God for that. Because that dear child was enduring operation after operation as it grew up, having to be cut back. But the sixth totally disappeared. I'm telling you this as God is my witness. One of the things, I mean, Jesus totally delivered me from lying. I I cannot, if I say something, you know, to you that's not 100% true, you know, I find myself having to repent and go back and just, you know, I hate kind of what they call evangelistically speaking. I, I, I always under-report. I don't over-report. Uh, you know, I, uh, forgive me, I am an Englishman. Here we are. So I, you know, I just, I, I try to say it like it is and try to put it as straight as it is. And, uh, you know, and, but honestly, that's what happened is God is my witness. That's what happened. We were ministering in the Ukraine. We were asked to plant two new churches in 10 days. And believe you me, in the revival that God was doing in the Ukraine at that time, that was totally feasible. Just amazing. It felt like you could stand up and preach bananas, bananas, and everybody would get saved. It just, it was incredible. I, there was such an anointing flowing. And, um, and and I remember, you know, uh, that in one particular place, it was near Chernobyl, there was lots of horrendous um, uh, cancers and radiation uh, things. There was a little boy who came into this meeting and... Um, it was one of these meetings where we were near a military base and in the middle of my preaching suddenly the doors flung open and here are these soldiers and they come in, huge big Russian guys and they come in and they're wearing their military uniforms, they're half drunk on vodka and they come in, they plonk themselves down and they start uh, cursing me and they start challenging me while I'm preaching. i got to be honest with you, that, that kind of, um, it, it got me going. you know. I, so I, I started to challenge them. As they went for me, I went for them and suddenly I felt the power of the Holy Spirit come all over me and when that happened that gives you a boldness that you wouldn't normally you know do so I suddenly challenged this the biggest one I could see and I said to him I defy you to come down here and, and you know deny that the power of God is real well he got up he's about six foot five he's half drunk he goes yeah he and he comes down the front he storms down like this he, they're literally I'm not kidding the stage was about the width of this building. And I'm standing here, and I can suddenly feel the power of God flowing all over me. Well, when that happens, and again, remember, just suddenly, just suddenly, I, I wasn't expecting it, but suddenly, he just came. And so he gets on the other end, and he's standing about where that pillar is there. And he gets up there, and he's very aggressive, and he's standing, he's looking at me like this. And at that moment, I just said to him, do you want to feel the power of God? He said, yeah, and I said, well, there you go then. And then suddenly he's picked up, he was thrown nine feet or so through the air and landed in a crumpled heap on the side of the stage. And at that moment, suddenly all of the, all of the kind of chatter and all of the challenging from the, the soldiers went chum, straight away. And, and I could hear some people in the audience saying to each other, I'm not going on that platform. You know, that was it. That was, you know, just. But because I knew the power of God was on me, I could be a bit more bold. I wouldn't normally do it, but I, but because the power was on me. And so in the middle of that wonderful flow of God's authority and power, there was a very tender moment where a Russian mother brings her nine-year-old son up to me. And through all the radiation that has been released through Chernobyl, 
This little boy, if you can imagine, imagine the calf muscle of your leg totally eaten out. And all you have is like an inverted thing like that, you know, and it's literally red and it's weeping. And she comes up to me holding him and she just says with tears down her cheeks, Sir, can you do something to help my son? And I remember I I looked at her and I said to her, Madam, I can't, but I know someone who can. And his name is Jesus. I said, let's pray. And I went to pray. And as I went to pray, suddenly I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, and this is from Matthew 8, speak the word only. And he dropped this into my heart that by tomorrow morning, that boy's leg would be recreated. So I just said to her, we don't need to pray. I want you to go home. I want you to put your boy to bed and say, thank you, Jesus, for a miracle. I said, I believe that the, that the Lord has said to me that by tomorrow morning when he wakes up, he will have a brand new leg. I want you to bring him to the meeting tomorrow night so that everybody can see what God has done. Now, I stand here honestly before you and tell you this, that if that child had had plastic surgery, you would see at least a line where the work had been done. And as God is my witness, and I could stand here before you honestly and say, let God judge me if I'm lying to you. That little boy was brought back the next night and you couldn't even see a mark. There was a perfectly recreated muscle. You, you wouldn't even be able to tell. Just perfectly restored. Now that, resurrections from the dead, Jesus walking on water, all of these kind of things are creative miracles. In one sense, the creation of the world is a big version of the working of miracles. We serve a God who works miracles. We need to make it a regular confession of what Isaiah said. Here am I and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders from the Lord of hosts. Amen. So, how do you experience all of this? All I can say to you is this. Of course, number one, you've got to be a Christian. You've got to be born again. You've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you need to stay full. And you need to start developing a bit more bolder faith. You need to believe what Jesus said is true and act like it. You need to start to pray for people. Many, many miracles, some of the biggest miracles. Just simply start with a simple question. Can I pray for you, please? It doesn't sound very dramatic, but God does amazing things through simple acts of obedience. That's absolutely true. God does amazing things through simple acts of obedience. You don't have to feel powerful for God to do powerful things through you. But it's wonderful when you feel the power of the Holy Spirit flow through you. Amen. Now, what we're going to do right now is I want to start to bring this part, the preaching, to a close. And I'm conscious in my heart right now, there may be those of us who are in this gathering. This is primarily a meeting that has been put on to equip the saints for ministering healing. And so in a few moments, we're going to step out into that. But I want to take a couple of minutes right now before I do that to say this. If you are in this place tonight, and you don't yet know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, I want you to know this, that Jesus, the Son of God, loves you. He died for you on a cross 2,000 years ago to pay the price for your sins and mine. We have all committed sin. That is the verdict of God over your life. It is the verdict of God over my life. All have sinned. There's no way out of it. There's no point arguing over it. George Harrison, you know, who was of the Beatles, he made this statement at the end of his life. Just before he died, it's written in his biography, you can read it yourself. He made this statement. He said, I have had everything the world could give me. I've had all the fame. I've had all the wealth. And I've had all the women. But I can tell you that at the end of my life, I have five minutes left to live. So the doctors tell me. And I'm haunted by the same three questions. He said, that have followed me all my life. Who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? And those three questions only find their answer in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So I want to say this right now. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus yet as your Savior and Lord, you know, you can gain the whole world. But without Christ, if you lose your own soul, what does it profit you? What does it profit you? If you don't know you're going to heaven, if you don't know that your sins are forgiven, If you don't enjoy a close personal relationship with God, this is your moment. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's a rock-solid promise of God. 
And so I want to give the opportunity right now to anyone and everyone in this place. If you are not in that place yet, if you're not sure you're going to heaven, you don't have a close relationship with Jesus, you're not walking with God, maybe even there was a time in your life where you gave your life to Christ, but you've gone away from the Lord. And you're not walking with him and you need to come back to Jesus. This is your moment. Today is the day of salvation. Come back to him. He's here with open arms. He's not here to condemn you, but he is here to save you. So let's just pray together. I'm going to pray a prayer. I want you to follow it. Say it out loud. This is one of the things that, you know, I prayed this prayer a number of years ago. Jesus saved me. And I'll tell you what, I would never go back. It's wonderful. I just highly recommend Jesus to you. And, you know, you'll never, ever regret giving your life to Christ. And so I just say to you, pray it after me. It's one thing for me to give you the words. It's based totally on the Bible. God delights to answer it. But you've got to do your own believing. You've got to do your own confessing. You've got to do your own praying right now. And Jesus will save you. So let's just pray this right now. Shall we just close our eyes for a moment and talk to God? Just say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that you love me, that you died for my sins and rose from the dead to give me a new life. Lord, I believe in you. I'm sorry for my sins. I turn away from them and I turn to you. Come into my heart. Transform me. From the inside out, make me a new person. Change me, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I boldly confess that Jesus is Lord. And I receive you now. And I will love you and serve you as long as I live. Thank you for saving me. For making me your child. And heaven my home. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now just keep your hands bowed, your eyes closed for a moment. There is freedom. If you're tired of you.